City of Lights. Wait, wrong production about LA. Today, City of Ghosts. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and little kids hunting for ghosts that don't have dogs. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about City of Ghosts on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, It's not just the slang for when you're browsing Netflix but can't find anything to watch. Uh, which is a city of ghosts. Um, is that a, is that true? Is that no, no, just that, made was, up? that was a really oh. big stretch. I tried really hard. <laughs> um, no, city of ghosts. Which um, it's uh, what age range would you say this show is targeted toward? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the question. <laughs> I'm going to start off by saying this: I I love city of ghosts. Um, So I don't want (laughs) this to come across as he doesn't like it. Um, So if folks listening out there who haven't seen City of Ghosts, I think it it can hit really young. I think, you know, seven, it's okay. You know, uh, there's nothing scary uh, in a show called City of Ghosts. It's not frightening. There was one little scare point, which I'll talk about in the first episode where I was like, that's a little creepy. (laughs) Like that would freak me out personally, but I don't think it's about that. Um, We'll talk about visual of the ghosts and how it gets its point across. Um, But I would say seven and above. Like if, if you're, I, I, I really enjoy it. I feel like it's written for me, uh, too. I, I think it's and anyone between seven and way, way, way above that would enjoy the show. But I think it's targeted, because that was your initial question. Yeah. I think it's targeted around the 9, 10, 11 range in terms of its structure. I'd go, like targeted 11 max i think also mm. younger kids would get something out of this and enjoy it and find it very interesting too and i think there's those teenage college years where people suddenly have an idea of what is good in life and what they like is the only good thing in the world and <laughs> they wouldn't find the show entertaining and it's not a read about the show that's a read about teenagers uh <laughs> and then yeah if you're an adult who likes things that are dramaturgically sound and well-made uh, like us, you'll also like this show. Mm. Or adults. It's always nice for adults who have children or tiny humans that live in their homes uh, to have something that the whole family gets something out of. And it's not like... What I really appreciate about some of the shows is it's not just, here's a moment for kids and here's a joke for the parents. Here's a moment for kids. Here's a joke for the parents. It doesn't feel like that. It just feels like 
here is something that's happening and everyone can get it on a different level. And I think that's what makes it hard to define in terms of the target. But I think more more than anything, I would say it's it hits younger because of the the edges and the way the stories are told. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that if this is a show that you told me some facts about it, it's 22 minutes, it's a hybrid animation style, um, it's about some little kids and like a, um, I don't say slow paced, not fast paced uh, adventure every week. I'd go, thank you, that is not a show for me. But I do like this. And I've thought a lot about like why I like it and why it works for me. And I, I would say the same thing about Bluey is a show we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. If you told me facts about Bluey, I'd go, no, thank you. That isn't a show that I'd like. But every episode of Bluey that I've seen is fantastic. I enjoy it. <laughs> so it's like, why? what makes a show for a younger audience work well for everyone? And why aren't more shows like that? Those are the questions, right? That's that's really it. How do you how do you make a show that's targeted at a particular age group, but make it enjoyable for people who are not that target? And I and it's not quite. I'm trying to think of the right metaphor for this because it's like hitting at the bullseye. I think. It's not about like, let's make everything hit that bullseye. If we look at it as like the age group is more of a prism that everything is run through. A prism, not a prison, right? Right. A prism. An age group is a prison. (laughs) Yes. That's a different metaphor. Uh, So if, if... and I think all tar- all dramaturgy, in a sense, is is the prism. Prism dramaturgy is not a prison. <laughs> Unless, never. I'm not going to go into that. So the prism that you put everything through. So every decision, every idea, every story point is shown through that prism to make sure that it it expands the right way. Um, hmm. And I I think that. It's like that instead of trying to hit the right target. I think that it's using that. And I think every show that uses, and I don't think they're going, hey, let's use this prism idea rather than a bullseye. I don't think they're thinking of it that way. But I think the people that have the core ideas and funnel everything through that and answer the questions that way and allow things to be real. Mm. Um, and, and authentic and earnest. And I think earnest was a word that I, I was like, why is, why does this show so engaging and likable for me? And I think it's because it's, it's earnestness is, is part of it. I think you're really onto something with this metaphor too, of like the prism versus bullseye where prism shows allow the world to be expansive and allow for many things and many options, but they kind of all go through a certain wavelength. 
versus the target kids shows where it's like literally just throwing everything you could think of at the wall to like hit that target. And I think that's a way to cheat making kids like something. I think classic examples of thinking of like Teletubbies, bananas and pajamas, like colorful song and dance don't really have like substance or meaning behind it necessarily, but they feel attractive. It's like a drug for kids. It's catnip for kids is what it is. <laughs> like I, I don't see a difference between like, if you could substitute just putting like YouTube kids on shuffle versus watching Teletubbies, I don't know what that show is like contributing to the world that is meaningful. Hmm. Um, versus City of Ghosts, like you can't just substitute anything for it. Um, does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the decisions feel deeper than just, hey, let's make this colorful. And let's, before we get too far into this, um, let's tell people, let's say you haven't seen City of Ghosts and you're listening to this episode like, hey, I want to know if I want to see this. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit. Let's give some of those facts that make it sound. <laughs> um, and, and then as we, as we get through our conversation, then you can see what we like about it and how it actually functions and works. Um, so as you were saying, City of Ghosts is 22 minutes of young children in Los Angeles, going to various neighborhoods and seeking out ghosts uh, to get the ghosts' stories and record the ghosts' stories. Not ghost stories, but ghosts' stories um, into their ectopedia where they're just keeping all these stories of, of these ghosts and their lives and what they used to live. I think if you're trying to define what happens in every episode, you could also describe it as like some kids make a serial like supernatural investigative recording reporting podcast for kids. Like that's fundamentally what happens every episode, but mm. each episode is about a specific ghost. Right. And that specific ghost lives in a specific neighborhood. Mm hmm. And I think it's that specificity that also helps because you're learning about these very, very speci culturally specific and um, not just culturally specific, but space specific and history specific places in Los Angeles that you may not have known about previously. And I think it's one of the things that really sucked me in that you don't get from the trailer also is I'm, I love personally being like an encyclopedic knowledge of where I live and like nonsense facts about the history and like knowing the history of where things come from and being that dad like tour guide in the car driving people around that nobody actually cares about this history. I love knowing that stuff. I could do that a lot in Columbus. Um, I do that a lot in the Bay Area now when people come to visit. It's like, oh, and here on the right, you see that big metal skeleton thing? That's a hangar for, like, Zeppelin aircraft that they never tore down. I know that. Does anyone care? <laughs> Probably not. Um, and so this show kind of, like, strikes that interesting chord for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do like to know this kind of stuff. Tell me more. Yes. 
It, it is interesting, though, that as much as it is, I, I just, I do love that it's about that history, but it's real interviews. So it's real people, real interviews cut into a story. And I think you had the best way of describing it because it made me laugh out loud, <laughs> um, which is because just because of how it's using real real interviews to create a narrative. You you said it was like the midnight gospel for kids, but with structure. Yeah, we've talked about Midnight Gospel 4, which is not a kid's show, uh, but is another Netflix original that is based on an actual podcast and kind of animates excerpts from a very adult-oriented podcast that are about philosophy and meaning of life. Whereas this is, it, it uses interviews, but it's also, I don't think they're from a real podcast, though. Like, they made these for the show, right? No, they're from a podcast. Oh, you mean from City of Ghosts? City of Ghosts. City of Ghosts. No, they made these for the show. They, but they had a producer who was a documentarian hmm. who interviewed people to try to find the right stories, which I think is super cool. Yeah, it's documentary for kids. Yeah, which is fun, and it's kind of like the the ghost. I love. Mm, I'm going everywhere. Uh, I love the dramaturgy <laughs> of this show. Uh, I think it's very dramaturgically sound in the choices they make and how they present it um and kind of well obviously they didn't in the real world interview ghosts (laughs) the ghosts in the show are kind of the characters who have a story to tell about the history of a thing or place Mm -hmm. yes because i think the point of this show and it, it took me a few days of thinking through of like, what is the goal? What is the concept? And it's trying to show children that, hey, your neighborhood has something special in it. And there's a reason why your neighborhood is your neighborhood. And there's a reason why your neighborhood is the way it is right now. But your neighborhood also was something else before. And that before you were around is important because it's informing what's going on right now. I think of this in contrast a lot to like the, um, what's that YouTube series? Um, Kids Experience. Yeah. It's, there's a YouTube show, I forget what it is, where it's like they put antiquated technology or things or shows in front of kids and go like, figure out what this is. And it's a show made for adults. We can laugh at the kids not knowing what a thing is. Uh, but in the second episode of City of Ghosts, it's like the complete opposite perspective uh, where uh, Thomas and their friends in that episode discover uh, a box that is sealed that says to Sam on it. And Sam is one of the people in the group. Like, we have to open this gift and figure out what to do. So they go to an adult, like, can you help us open this? And the adult's like, that's a VHS tape. Let me show you how it works. Uh, and that's the approach of the show. It's like, helping kids appreciate the sense of history in places and things without being condescending to them or doing it for the entertainment of adults. Mm. And I think it's, it's also doing that in a 
real honest way with really kind kids yeah. and I, and kind family. Like you don't see the families, but here, this is one of the points that I love. And this is one of the things that sold it for me in the very first episode. So we have Zelda and we meet Zelda um, who lives in Boyle Heights. And she's telling this first story because she in many ways is one of the heads of the ghost team. And the first story takes place in her neighborhood. So she's telling this story. And she's telling us about the ghost team. And she tells us that they meet at the public library. And, you know, she shows us the coffee shop where her parents hang out. And she says, without any irony, she's like, this is where we let our parents hang out so they don't bug us during our meetings. I loved it. And I love that because the parents are like, let's go here and have a cup of coffee and you can do whatever you're doing. Like I could see it from both sides. The kids are like, don't bug us. We're having a ghost team meeting. And the parents are like, don't bug us. We're talking about adult stuff. So it's like, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. We're just going to have this decaf oat milk latte. <laughs> and that's what I imagine they're, they're having. That is the adultiest of drinks. <laughs> Caffeine just gets me too anxious. And the um, dairy, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, but I think it's it's that moment. And there was also another moment, and I, I, th- I believe it's in the second episode as well, where Zelda, bef- the show is starting, and Zelda has her hairbrush, which she uses as her microphone, which I think is the most adorable thing ever. So she's using her hairbrush, but she's there singing. And her brother, I think, who does most of the videography, is saying, we're, we're rolling. And she stops. She looks at the camera, and she starts saying, like, hello. And I was like, yes, thank you. Because in another show, she would go, oh, oh, no, oh, 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 and, like, have a reaction to being ashamed, to being caught on film, having an honest reaction of just sitting there singing into a hairbrush. But she's not ashamed, because who cares? Yeah. She's Zelda. And that was another, I was so glad that she didn't have this reaction of, oh no, I've been caught, like, turn it off, turn it off. Like, why are you filming? Or this embarrassment. And it's those small, truthy details. Truthy details, yeah. That, that, it, it, that's what I mean by earnest. You know, it, it's a very earnest moment. She's just caught. She's like, oh, okay, we're going on. We're moving on. There's no shame. I guess it's part of like the, the documentary and aesthetic and approach that they took to making this kids show. Um, kind of along the lines of the hairbrush i really enjoy the speaking of dramaturgy how they show that this is a show within the show but it also is the show uh because like it is a podcaster show called city of ghosts produced by these kids and so all the elements you get of that look like it's a kid producing this tv show or special so like whenever they introduce a new character you have some little arm holding up a cardboard sign like this is I forget the name of the hang on let me look up a name 
Chef um, Joe. Chef Joe in the first episode. This is Chef Joe, comma, chef and kitchen owner or something. No, she said, it says Chef Joe, restaurant person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it's even better than that. But it's, it's like just... a, it's like a, Terrible cardboard cutout with like crayon drawings of like what their name is. So you have that. Um, all the adults treat them as like, well, this is cute. Okay, thank you. My friend said you were going to help me solve my problem. I didn't realize that you were a seven-year-old child with a podcast. How how nice. <laughs> thank you for helping me today. Uh, and then but they're the never. Sorry, but ahead. then they don't treat the child like they don't talk down to the child even though this child is asking about ghosts you know and things yeah. are like there's a moment of with adulty adult being true like all right i guess but then they're never rude to this kid after that they're never mocking or making fun they're like going on that journey with the child yeah they just adjust their expectations i think the adults often are expecting something else you see the moment where they have that adult moment of like Okay, I'm following now. <laughs> but yeah, then they're on board. Um, I also love that when they recreate things in the show, it's with like oh. the little wooden block toys. It's not like a dramatic reenactment. It's not a flashback. It's little kids' toys reenacting the thing they're describing within their show, which is fantastic. It is, it is fantastic. I think it took me till seconds to realize that's what they're doing. It's like, oh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> And that's the thing. It doesn't, it, there's nothing that takes you out of it because it feels so of itself. There's no moment where you're like, this doesn't fit the structure anymore. This doesn't fit this. Um, I mean, the, the whole structure, you get every episode, you get Zelda's introduction, and then she sends it off to the kid um, whose neighborhood is being investigated. And that that child takes on the story and starts doing their investigation with the, the person uh, who is having a ghosting. And, and then there's, you know, the questioning about the neighborhood they live in, what they do for a living, what's going on. And then there's a the moment where the ghost gets found out, the ghost gets exposed. And then we get the ghost interview. And like you were saying, during that ghost interview, because the ghost is talking about a neighborhood in a way that doesn't exist anymore, we get that child reconstruction with strings moving wood blocks and moving wood people around, you know, moving soup into a character's mouth. Um, it's actually really well done. These kids did an amazing job building these reconstructions. Um, and then we get the the resolution on what the the person who's being ghost that sounds weird saying they're ghosted but the person who's having the ghost experience what they've learned and how that is now reconciled between them and the ghost and what that new life is that now that they're living with their history what what changes because of that mm -hmm. what comes out of it it's always a positive lesson, too. It's, um, yeah, Chef Joe, sorry, spoilers. Um, Chef Joe was going to open a restaurant and have a good time anyway, but now she has many items that are drawn from a history of recipes and a history of the area uh, that brings people together. And in doing it the old-fashioned way, 
rather than like the big thing is the deep fryer, which was a nerve wracking part. I didn't know how my son Jack was going to react when it's like 1235 and you have security camera footage that the the chef Joe gave these children for their documentary. (laughs) I think through that conversation, like, can we have your security footage of when what happened? Okay. Yeah, you've helped me out. Sure, you know. <laughs> but the 12.35 a.m. security footage, and it's quiet, and it's just, for a moment, you just hear nothing. You see the light turn on, door opens, you're like, what's happening? And then, fling, the deep fryer comes flying out. Like that, I think that's as creepy as it gets, and I'm, I'm only four episodes in. I have two more to go, and I'm... I'm trying not to pound them back, but um, uh, I want to experience them slowly as they're meant to be. Because I feel like this is a show that gets savored. Yeah, that's fair. It's I, I think you astutely put it before we started recording too. Like this is a a show where the world has a story. But it's not necessarily that the show is a story either. So it's not like a. I think what I appreciate sometimes over, uh, for like the Netflix young kids animated stuff versus like the Netflix, um, like, teenage or adult animation is like the teenage or adult ones are like meant to like make you watch the next episode, keep going, keep going, keep binging. Right. Like there's a continuous story that you're following, and there's like a cliffhanger every episode. And these younger yeah. kids shows like City of Ghosts, like, here's an endpoint. You don't need to keep binging. The world will still be there. You'll get to know more, but there's not like a overarching story that you are missing out by not watching the next one now. Or maybe that's just my own sensibilities being burnt out on serialized storytelling at this point in 2021. (laughs) No, I think there's something to be said for resolution. And I think... (laughs) That's one of the signs of a younger kid's show is resolution. Because when something's not resolved, there's anxiety from that. You know, um, I remember watching um, Gravity Falls recently. And we got to the season one finale. And it leaves off on a type B cliffhanger where they resolve the main plot of the episode, but then there's a huge question, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And there was just anxiety for, like, we need to watch it. And I was like, well, they're not going to resolve it in the first episode. Like, we're not going to get to the answer. Like, they're setting up a whole new world of questions. And it's this show is the antithesis of all of that. And... I, I appreciate the speed of it, that it takes its time. It feels like, it doesn't feel slow though. Like I'm never like get to the point, you know, I'm never feeling that. It's totally engaging. Yeah, every episode I'm like, wow, 22 minutes went by? That was so fast. Yeah, like wait, we're already at the re- reconstruction of <laughs> from the ghost? Like, man, I didn't think we'd be here already. Um. But I think it says something about everything, every decision that they're making 
is just to tell these stories in a really authentic, real way. And I think that's part of that prism of let's be honest and real about these characters and these places. So much so that getting kids from hopefully those neighborhoods, they, they were trying to when they were casting, get getting kids from those neighborhoods, um, having child actors who were, I think I read an article, they were saying, we don't want SAG kids, like who are too good, that sound mm-hmm. like expert acting kids. We want kids that are like lower rung where they know how to handle dialogue, but they don't sound like performed. Yeah. Want, and I think they hit that. I think, you know, especially Zelda, she she's wonderful. I, I enjoy Zelda very much. Well, I enjoy also the authenticity they present of the diverse tapestry that is L.A. and any city, too, especially with the kids. Because uh, it is a diverse group. I think that's intentional, but it's not like a flashing lights and banners like, look at us having diversity. It's mm-hmm. just, here's this earnest real, like, this is what real life looks like. This is not a cartoon show where you have, like, four white boy band characters and bonus as a girl or something like that. Right. This is what a child from Boyle Heights would look like. You know, what is a child from Boyle Heights? You know, what is a child from Lamert Park? <laughs> what is, and trying to figure that out. Who are these, what is this neighborhood and who are the children of this neighborhood? I especially enjoyed, at least as far as I am, they haven't made an after-school special out of Thomas's identity at all. Like, in the first steps, they're like, this is Thomas. There are haunted artifacts experts. It's like, ah, I see what you're doing, City of Ghosts, and I appreciate it. And episode two begins, and Thomas introduced himself like, I'm Thomas, I use they-them pronouns. Let's talk about our ghost today. Like, okay, here we are. Yes, a, a kid would say that and then just move on. We're not going to, like, make an educational moment about this. We're just making it a real moment. Mm-hmm. I think they had to go back and re-record one time because they had done that. And then they made the decision. They're like, oh, I think one time they said they did it. They used the wrong pronouns for Thomas. So mm-hmm. we need to go back. But, yeah, I think it's it's subtle, but it's real and honest way of saying it you know um i think it's just as matter of fact as most kids say things that to adults seem big and earth shattering that kids just blurt out or just say because that's their reality well i think what's big and earth shattering to adults and especially parents when they hear this from their kids is it's earth shattering because the parent has an idea of who their kid is and the kid destroys that image not intentionally not maliciously it's just the parent realizing like ah i have decided who this child is in my head and not listen to them and i think a good parent learns how to move on and listen to the child and a bad parent tries to continue to force that old worldview onto that child mm-hmm. Interesting. Deep, deep parenting conversation. I guess me speaking not as not as a parent, but a person <laughs> who was a child who had to deliver queer news to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but I 
I mean, to, to that end, I've heard Jack describe himself, you know, with his autism of like not batting an eye when he has to be like, hi, I'm, I'm Jack. And the, the special thing about me is that I have autism and move on to like the next topic because like that's, that's it. I mean, as much as I harangue and bemoan the age of the internet and communication, like what it's done to the world between 2015 and 2021, what's really valuable about the internet is that it introduces young kids, especially to the idea of finding out who they are early and we're much better as a society, even without the internet and helping kids understand who they are at an early age before those middle years of like learning to feel shame about being different. So you can figure out who you are before having to be told you're normal air quotes, your whole life beginning to suspect you're not and feeling shame about not being normal. Mm. So yeah, like it's not, a kid who is being brave and overcoming shame to say that it's a kid who doesn't know that they were ever at some point expected to feel shame about that. And we're projecting again, our adult view of history and our own past onto kids who are matter of fact about this thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of got on a soapbox there, but I really like Thomas. <laughs> no, but I think there's something about that because it goes it goes again through that prism of treating things as realistically and honestly as possible and that this is normal life. And why would we be surprised by any of these things happening? Yeah. Like it's normal that places have a history. Yes. Ghosts are not expected and not normal, but it is expected as um, is it Zelda who talks about this in the first episode, um, that places have a history behind them. No, it's um, uh, Chef Joe's friend who says, like, you're built on something, and that place that you're building on has a history behind it. So, of course, there are going to be ghosts there. Of course, there's going to be some idea of this idea. And it's not something to be... It's not something to necessarily wrestle with or be confronted by, but it's something that you're going to have to look at and invite in and experience and listen to it. And I do appreciate that even the times when the ghost does something semi-violent, like throw out a fryer, that it's not a threat. It's a, there's a better way to do this. And the ghost may not have that way to communicate yet or is just trying to get your attention to something. Yeah, it's like almost more temper tantrum than threat. Right. But the idea that you're going to have this conversation and Chef Joe has that realization, like, well, it totally makes sense why she threw out, why Janet threw out the deep fryer because that was her mom's specialty. And of course we want to do tempura the right way. You know, like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it may, if we did it that way, uh, the tempura wouldn't have the same crunch. And now I'm just like, what is that crunch? Like, where can I get that real <laughs> crunch? Where is this place? 
Well, if you come visit me in the Bay Area, we can go to Japantown. In the Bay. Not, I mean, maybe L.A. too, but... <laughs> what else do I want to say about this show? Um, there's... I think the authenticity moves... Part of that prism decision is the the visual style of the show, how it's real photography of these neighborhoods and places, but then manipulated with some 3D work on it. Not a lot. So there are some times where you're like, is this real? Is this not real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't quite tell. Um, or somewhere it's just one element that gets turned 3D or... I think it's just simplified, you know, making things simplified, cleaning up just slightly visually so you can direct your eye. I mean, on top of it being cool to look at and directing the eye within the story, too, I think that what that does is that is the subtle message of like, yes, this is an animated show, but this has implications about the real world and where you live. Which is interesting. It is interesting and beautiful. And yeah, I every every single choice. And I, I think that's the thing about when we were discussing some of the other bullseye versus prism, like you feel like every single choice has been made and it all just is all together. There's nothing that stands out as inauthentic or out of place in this show. Yeah. There's nothing that's huge or overt. And I think some of this, the, the testing ground was part of um, Elizabeth Ito's um, animated short that she did before this, The Welcome to My Life. Have you watched that? I haven't, no. Um, it's an eight-minute Cartoon Network short about a Japanese monster um, going through high school. And living a day at high school. And she used an interview with her brother uh, to, to create this, this show, uh, this animated short. And it uses real backgrounds of a high school city. And it's, you could see some of the germs of City of Ghosts in there. It's like, oh. And, but I think City of Ghosts is just the next iteration that just makes it bigger and grander and um but smaller and more specific too yeah i could see that i mean this is i think it the style works better here and says more here but i i know um while i've not watched much of it like the world of gumball was an extremely popular show that people respect and have a lot of good, strong opinions about it. I know I should watch, but it has a similar, like, mixed hybrid media feel to it. Mm-hmm. I think what little bits I've seen of Gumball, like, I can see stylistically a City of Ghosts might be inspired by or pooling from some of that, um, but in a more meaningful way. Right. Uh, because it's, it's not just a, hey, let's, it feels stylistic, through the idea of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Dramaturgy. 
Right. <laughs> the prison that we're all forced to be within. It's feel like it's an arrested development. Do you see bees? <laughs> prison? Prison? Prism? Prism. <laughs> I, I just... Yeah, I, I really... One of, I really enjoyed the show, and one of my tests for Jack is getting his reaction, you know, just to see. He was sitting up, and sometimes he, he was very thoughtful while he was watching it. He would look up and be listening. He sat really close to the TV for some reason <laughs> on the floor. I was looking up, and I would see him look down and do something, then look back up. And I was a little bit afraid because of the pacing. He's The things that he loves is... You know, have a little bit more music and a little bit more bounce and a little bit more adventure and a little bit more like comedy. And this is subtle and small and like the comedy's just like real comedy, like real life. Um, so I was a little afraid. And the first episode ended and I just waited for a moment. And he turns around and he said, We're gonna play the next one? <laughs> it's like, okay. We did it. Like it, he liked it. He he was ready to go right into the next one. Um, but everyone in the family just felt calmer and just it's it's a nice balm for right now. I I think I don't know if I was ready for it in March when it first came out. I knew <laughs> I had heard about it and was excited, but. I'm glad that I'm experiencing it now in the summer. That's a little bit quieter. We're done with school. You know, we can sit with things. It's a nice thing if you haven't, if you haven't watched it yet, it's a nice thing to experience with your family as part of summer. Like if it's way too hot to be outside, like watch City of Ghosts, sit together, talk about it, think about your neighborhood. Like it's, it's really cool that way. Yeah. <laughs> Timeliness. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we watched it for this week. Yeah, me too. It has similarly been on my list for a while as well. Um, it's been the periphery of my awareness. I was like, oh yeah, City of Ghosts. We should watch and talk about that. <laughs> as most anything that Chris nee says we should watch, I, I always go like, oh, Chris nee said, oh, Chris nee. okay. I'll yeah, you can kind of predicted a little bit of our episode schedule by what what's Chris Nee posting about and then like three or four weeks later that's what Chris McKenzie that's what we're we'll talking about, about. <laughs> so if you go to her Twitter timeline <laughs> just like read about the things that she's posting about you may you 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 may get some hints <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite thing from either the first episode or either of the first two episodes that you saw of City of Ghosts I think we've talked a lot about a lot of my favorite things, but I uh, want to reemphasize how the ghosts aren't scary in the show. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that I, I am favorite about. Um, <laughs> it's just that they're more shy and hard to talk to. And each of the first episodes has a moment where like the kid connects with the ghost for the first time. It's always like a, a quiet pause and we shift into like the next part of the episode. Uh, I think in episode one, Zelda opens the freezer door. You don't get to look in. 
And she just says, like, aren't you cold in there? And you just see, like, Zelda illuminated by a fridge light. And it's quiet for a second. And then a soft, like, yeah. And then it cuts, <laughs> like, the ghost interview. <laughs> and it does that in episode two as well. Uh, they're, like, looking in the trash can for the ghost bagel. And suddenly Bagel just pokes his head out of the trash can. <laughs> and then it cuts to the next thing. It's like such a nice soft reveal without much effort. It's like you just have to figure out what the ghost wants and then um, they're willing to talk to you when you have some understanding mm-hmm. already going into it. How about I, you? I, do, I think, I mean, there's a lot to love. I think the lower thirds that they create on the you know, on the cardboard, like that, the texture on everything that's there. Um, but I think my, one of my favorite things is, uh, they were talking about the cat in the Japanese restaurant, and how it kept moving. And all of a sudden, Zelda turns around and looks and goes, suspicious. <laughs> and like, it was like this, and it's not this, like silly things she's she's just like i think i figured it out like you see this idea like i know where this is going and um and also the little detail of when she takes the picture of the cat on her phone like the image of the cat moves down and and like little things like that just it's like it feels very real feels like a very real world yeah lived in Mm -hmm. very much so So thank you, folks of City of Ghosts. And I'm excited to watch the final two episodes with my family. And future episodes. And future episodes, hopefully. Well, shall we talk homework time for next episode of ours? Let's. For next time, uh, watch Luca, the newest Pixar film premiering on Disney Plus. And we'll talk about that uh, as we often do with new Disney movies. Uh, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't have a specific topic in mind, uh, but we'll talk about it. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. Oh, always. <laughs> as always. There's, there's another always. As always, we do want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer, and thank you to the Champagne Drops and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find all of our show notes and uh, links to more information on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter, at WG Animated, and tell us what your favorite neighborhood ghost is, in the show or otherwise. Somehow out of the show, it feels just creepy. It just (laughs) feels creepy. Well, good night, everybody.